a playlist original. Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we review the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer your question: Should I watch this? My name is BJ, and my name is Mitu. And this week, we're watching Twisted Metal on Peacock, Special Ops Lioness on Paramount Plus, Children Ruin Everything on the CW, and Praise PD on Freeform. So stay tuned to the end to find out BJ's favorite dystopian video games. Okay, I think I already know the answer. But before we get to that, let's talk about a different video game adaptation. You're talking about Twisted Metal on Peacock. Based on the video game series, we follow talkative milkman with amnesia Joe, played by Anthony Mackie, who's given a mission to traverse a desolate world and deliver a cryptic package to stay alive. He has a very big potential prize waiting on him if he's able to do it, and he ends up teaming up with car thief Quiet, played by Stephanie Beatrice, who might help him along. So me too. We got to start with this question. Are you familiar with the Twisted Metal video game franchise? No, I had never heard of this one. Though my partner said it was PlayStation One. Yeah, I think that's where it started. So it's a bit of a throwback. Definitely nineties. I will say, despite the fact that I was not aware that this game existed or anything to do with the storyline, I feel like I understood it. There certainly were things in there that my partner appreciated because of his familiarity with the game, but I don't think I lost anything significant, and I still enjoyed it. I agree. I don't think you need to know anything about the video game. I knew it existed, and I can picture the cover of the game, which has a clown. And light spoilers—you will see that clown character at some point. And it's very unsettling. It's a very unsettling clown. But that's all I know about it: cars and a clown. And I think that's enough, <laughs> or even more than enough, to dive into this show. And in this show, we find a world post cyber attack that is very apocalyptic, very few resources. We have these milkmen who are able to get things from one town to another, and these cities are fully walled off with all the quote unquote bad guys and criminals outside, and all the good people and limited resources inside these cities, like New Chicago, New San Francisco, New New York. And I think that while this show doesn't necessarily bring anything new to these apocalyptic city storylines, we just saw a fantastic one with Last of Us. I will say that Anthony Mackie elevates the show and. Brings such a charm and humor that I learned in looking up the game that is reminiscent of the game, which did not take itself seriously. Yes, I think he is having fun in this role, and that fun makes it fun to watch. And I like how they used a bunch of his delivery runs in the beginning to basically show you what this world is about. What it's like out in the apocalyptic areas outside of these cities, and I think they. Told me everything I needed to know about the world very quickly and easily. Yes, this is a spoiler for my take on the next show we'll review in the list. In this one, <laughs> I'm just glad that they used action, even though it was very bloody. A warning to my fellow babies: I had to look away a lot. But they use action to show us what's going on versus, let's say, a long and moody explanation on what's going on. Maybe lots of. Narration, maybe someone just sitting and monologuing, and sometimes that works on shows when it's really well written or well performed. But in this one, they're choosing fun, and you feel the fun. 
Yes. And we do get some narration. John Doe describes a bit of what's happening to him throughout the episode. Yeah. And I'm actually more interested to see what this new journey is like for this special delivery because it seems like he's going to team up with Quiet and these two already encounter each other in this first episode and they were not friends. No, they were not friends, but they immediately had a connection. Survival? Survival (laughs) and did you see their little staring contest when they first meet? No words exchanged, but there was instant chemistry. Quiet doesn't exchange words with anybody. Exactly. And there was still so many words said with those eyes. I felt like I was watching Bridesmaids. A lot of speaking through looking intently at each other. And I just felt such chemistry. And I think it's going to be a good balance between this quiet, serious quiet. And then with Joe being so talkative and so ridiculous and so fun. I can see it. So what would you rate Twisted Metal on Peacock? I would rate it would watch again casually. I enjoyed it. I don't think you have to be familiar with the video game series to enjoy it, just like I am not familiar with the video game. And I would say if you are not a video game person, this one is still an interesting action apocalyptic comedy with a lot of heart. So if that's what you're looking for, a great Anthony Mackie vehicle, you will enjoy this one. I'm surprised how much you liked it. I really liked it. I think this might have been one of my favorites that we watched this week. And I guess just to reiterate, there is the blood warning, which you mentioned. There's a lot of violence, which is why I thought you wouldn't want to watch more episodes. It's gross. But I have a partner who really loves video games. So maybe I caveat my review with you need someone next to you who can tell you when to look up again. Ah, well, I also will watch again casually. I thought this was fun, light, lots of good action, and it's quick. And I think that is helpful in a show that you just want to casually pass your time with. Yeah. So let's take things from fun, light, lots of action to maybe a little bit slower, a little bit less action. You're talking about Special Ops <laughs> Lioness on Paramount Plus, Force Recon Marine Cruz Manuelos, played by Lesla de Oliveira, is tasked with befriending the daughter of a suspected terrorist who is being surveilled by the CIA, including CIA officer Joe, played by Zoe Saldana. So me too, what were your first impressions of this military CIA Marine show? The subject matter is very heavy and has the potential for really interesting ethical questions. So in your summary, it sounds like we watched a lot of action, a lot of interesting discussion. And instead, I would say that while the premise is extremely promising, they spent, in my opinion, too much time on backstory, too much time talking, and not enough time showing. It was an interesting take on this military genre, also kind of government espionage. We have a lot of life or death decisions from the start. Joe is in a very tough position where she even has to justify the choices she's making for the people around her. And I don't think we get enough about Joe to understand either how she's able to make those choices or why she is willing to. A lot of the focus was on Cruise, and as you mentioned, backstory, we just flashed back to see her rise into the military. And I think that was a missed opportunity. 
Because Cruz is interesting. I think that she does a good job of carrying the show. I was surprised with all of these stars, like Michael Kelly, like Nicole Kidman, like Zoe Saldana herself, that Cruz is who we focused on. And I don't think that was a bad choice. I just wish we had seen some of Cruz's mission so that we could get into what she's doing that is so dicey. I don't think we have enough insight into the stakes to build care. This concept of building relationships with wives and daughters of target operatives is so dicey. You understand the logic behind it, but what are the rules that people usually say in like crime movies and stuff? Like we don't do wives and kids. We don't harm women and children. And in this, you are targeting them. You are using them as a special part of your operation. That is so ethically like icky. I just can't stop saying that word, but it just is. And I think that presents an interesting story. And I wish we could see more of Cruz's mission. We know that, a light spoiler, she makes the introduction to a young girl whom she'll befriend and get to her target operative, or that's the goal. I wanted to see more of that. That's fair. You wanted more of episode two, or to kind of jump to episode two sooner. I think Cruz, like you said, did take a lot of the attention in this episode, and that helped me stay interested. Cruz's story was captivating to me to see how she started to where she got now versus Joe, who we only get some glimpses of family life. But I think where I'm struggling in the same position as you is that there's a lot of mysteries and a lot of secrets about this mission that Cruz has been put on that she's not allowed to know. And Joe explains logically why she can't know. She can't know too much about her target. Otherwise, she might start revealing stuff and lead to suspicion and blow her cover. But what makes it difficult to watch is that we as the audience also don't know a lot about her mission. And so we're all just going in blind and they didn't give us enough to be like, oh, okay, this is what the goal is. Yes, I hadn't thought about that until you and I talked before recording that I think I would have more buy-in if I knew at least some of Joe's motivations or even more of what she has cooking And then I would have been okay with more ambiguity with the rest. But right now, I'm just left with a lot of backstory, which felt like a ton of buildup. But I'm not sure where we're going. And I wish that they had either shortened this first episode if they wanted to just do backstory. Or to your point, give us a little bit of episode two. Bring some of that action in. Because right now, we're just trusting that there's a lot of promise with the stories, but we're not seeing it. So will you watch more episodes of Special Ops Lioness on Paramount Plus? I think I'll give it like one more episode. To me, it doesn't strike me as particularly a unique entry into this world of military shows or intelligence shows, spy thrillers. But if I see some interesting action in episode two, I'll stick with it. Otherwise, if you are not a spy thriller military type of show person, I wouldn't recommend this one because I don't think this is the one that brings you in. I feel similarly. I think I would watch While Folding Laundry, I think in a more semi-distracted state. There are some interesting aspects to this story that I want to know more about, but I don't think this is exciting enough based off the pilot to get my full attention. That's fair. So how about we switch from trying to find terrorists to trying to take care of little terrors. (laughs) 
You're talking about Children Ruin Everything on The CW. In this Canadian comedy picked up for this year's CW lineup in the U.S., we follow Astrid, played by Megan Rath, and James, played by Aaron Abrams, a young couple struggling to hold on to their old identities and learn themselves in a new context as parents of two young kids. I gotta say, this was a cute family sitcom. I liked this family unit, and I liked how they presented a lot of pros and cons to being a parent. It's not just life is wonderful. It's they're cute and it's exhausting. Yes. The show creator gave an interview about the show and said the series was inspired by his understanding that parenting is time consuming and expensive and frustrating. And he wanted to create a show that acknowledged but also showed the other side, which is having a family is worth it. I will say, I don't know if he (laughs) nailed showing the other side. I was very happy by the end of the episode to not have kids with love to people with children. I was like, wow, I sleep so good. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like throughout the episode, Astrid and James are trying to convince themselves that it's worth it. And by the end of the episode, I don't think they're convinced just yet. No, they even have a cute montage with the kids. And I like that Astrid is a data analyst. So in her narration, she brings in these data and numbers of married couples with kids sleep this much or experience this much joy or enjoy things in this way and married couples without kids do this, this, and this. And so I thought it was interesting that she had all of these stats and presented herself with the challenge of measuring happiness with such an intangible variable as love for your children. Right. She's trying to put a number to it. And at the same time, she's also just feeling feelings because Astrid has a bit of baby fever in this episode. That was a very funny running gag that music would play every time she saw a baby. And it's real. Those hormones, once you become a parent, it messes with your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Are you speaking from experience? Not at all. I love looking at cute babies and I love that social media trend where you see a really cute baby and then someone responds with like, ah, 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 and then they just present like a bill for daycare or something to just sort of snap you out of it because you really can just sit down and be like, yeah, I could do that. And they're like, maybe I could baby do that. You could babysit. I could babysit. (laughs) (laughs) And I think supporting Astrid and James is a really great funny cast. We have the work friend, Ennis, played by Ennis Esmer. We have Grandma. We have Astrid's sister. We have a good, solid group of people that is very funny around them. Yes, I liked their interactions with everyone in their social circle. And I think it was really important to have the extra adult cast because very cute kids, very cute child actors, but the roles that these child actors are playing, I'm just going to say this, listeners, I'm at the age where a lot of my friends have small children now. And I think this is a very extreme case of what rowdy children can be like. Yes. This seems exhausting compared to what I'm seeing with my friends. You know what, though? Maybe this is because it's Astrid's POV. Like everything feels a bit more extreme because of how tired she is. So she's altering her own data. Maybe that is the way that we're taking it in. Truly, this is a theory I'm coming up with on the fly because I agree. These children are lovely in appearance, (laughs) but they (laughs) are just little terrors, as you said at the beginning. And there are a couple of brief moments where they're sweet, but otherwise they are like X Games level running around the house, running on top of each other, running on top of their parents. And I have been around rowdy children. I don't know that I 
am accustomed to this level of rowdiness. So I wonder if this is colored by Astrid's POV. I think that's a good explanation because it really is about how she sees being a parent. And maybe to her, they are over the top children at times. But she does have a sweet montage of them at the end of the episode as a light spoiler. It's not like a plot thing, but just that we see a little montage of when they have happy moments with the babies. Though I would argue putting that montage at the end kind of made this pilot episode feel like a movie in a weird way where I just felt resolved. Yeah, I didn't think about it until you mentioned that. I guess the conflict's over. They were thinking kids weren't worth it. And by the end of the episode, they're like, yeah, we like our kids. The end. (laughs) (laughs) which is not like a surprising ending but i did feel satisfied maybe too satisfied we have the open-ended question of astrid going back to work and how that will work but for the most part i just felt like oh they got it so since you're so confident about their future (laughs) will you keep watching more episodes of children ruin everything on the cw to see what happens next Yes, I think this is a really solid family sitcom. If you are hungry for a family sitcom in your life, especially in the strike, solidarity with actors and writers asking for living wages, I would say that this is a really good entry for that. And for me, I'll probably watch while cooking. Is that why they picked up a Canadian show? They picked up a couple Canadian shows on CW. And I wonder if that's part of it. I'm not sure. But I wonder. Business people are so clever in the most evil ways. Mm-hmm. Um, my rating. I would watch again casually. I'm actually a big fan of Megan Rath from her time on Being Human, a sci-fi show, which is an adaptation of a BBC show. So I was happy to see her in a leading role. And I thought this was just a cute sitcom. And it's light, funny. And I think the more I watch this, the less I'll want children. Well, let's take things from children to cult daddies. The things parents do to their kids. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about Praise Petey on Freeform. Petey, voiced by Annie Murphy, is a New York City it girl, and she has it all until her life comes crashing down around her. But she's going to get a new lease on life when she leans in to modernizing her father's small town cult, New Utopia. So me too, what did you think of this cult comedy? I thought that it was very funny. I think Annie Murphy, of course, because of the Shit's Creek of it all, is a very funny voice actor to choose for a rich person and small town story. And I like some of the ridiculousness of it. There's a part where her fiance, before that relationship crashes and burns and she escapes to New Utopia, is literally a wooden plank. And I laughed so hard at that. I was not prepared for how over the top this world would get from her plank fiance to even how they made fun of like her job and career in fashion and how she would be in meetings about what to put on the cover. It was more extreme than I anticipated. It cracked me up. There's a part where they bring in truly called on the show character actor Alan Tudyk and again an out loud laugh and then her mom's name on the show voiced by legend Christine Bransky, is White St. Bart's. Like, that is just so funny. And it wasn't just gags for them to be gags. They all contributed to the story. But those parts, I just cackled. And what I appreciated, in addition to trying to make the viewers laugh, there is some legit commentary. And I like their commentary on cult-like behavior, especially once Petey 
goes to her father's cult and she starts criticizing them and saying, oh, you can't sacrifice people and you can't do this and that. But then they counter back that a lot of her behavior back in New York was cult-like. Mm-hmm. Wake up every day, put on your, I think, I can't remember their cute or funny name for Lululemon leggings. You go to your class, your yoga class, Pilates class that you don't necessarily like, but you want to be bendy like everyone else. You do your cult-like behaviors at work, sort of worshiping your boss. I thought it was a good thing to point out. It made me think of the book Cultish, and it was a good social commentary, but not heavy-handed on how culty life can be, because I'm glad they went more for laughs than heavy-handed messages. Girl bossing a cult, there could have been some ridiculous lean-in moments, and instead, I mostly laughed. And it, I think, understood to make fun of itself as a concept. Yes. And I think that is the most clever social commentary where it's real points, but it's still based on trying to make you laugh and smile. Yes. Because would you sit through a lecture or would you sit through watching someone try to be engaged to a wooden plank? Exactly. This is not a how to avoid being in a cult video. This is an animated comedy. (laughs) (laughs) with a lot of mystery potential. We learn when she learns about her inheritance of this cult that she does not know her dad at all. She doesn't know what he was up to in this place. She had never heard of New Utopia. Her new best friend, Eliza, played by Kiersey Clemens, turns out to be one of her dad's ex-wives. She's not sure about that yet, even though she could just look up at a picture and see Eliza with her daddy. But it's just a group photo. (laughs) She's a little bit understandably self-involved in this moment and has not paid attention yet. And so I think that there's a lot of really good mystery everywhere and especially with her dad. And I think it was really smart and unsettling in a good way to make him in the videos that she finds about him in the cult to be so hokey. Because while he's like pretending to be this country old man and all of this stuff, he's doing bad things. He's a cult leader that takes some level of having to manipulate people into doing what you want. A whole town. A whole town. So I thought that was a really smart choice, too, to make the dad almost like cute and unassuming. But in reality, he's doing really devastating things. Right. And we have May May, voiced by Amy Hill, who is his like second in command, a personal assistant who believes in whatever this prophecy is that PD is now moving forward. And you can tell that she's running things behind the scenes. She's going to keep this cult going. She tells PD that, oh, yeah, you can make all the changes you want to this cult. But really, that's just a front to keep things going in the direction she wants them going. Because how else are they going to get to heaven? Kool-Aid? Ouch. Okay. Well, would you watch more episodes of Praise PD on Freeform? I think I would watch this again while cooking. Nice, quick, animated series while I'm in the kitchen. Get some laughs in. Maybe say, ooh, that's very cult-like. But then you're like, ha, 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 (laughs) and go about my day. How do you feel? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would watch again casually, and I would recommend it to other folks who are into cartoon comedies. I think this is another solid entry. It's very funny and charming and witty. So I would also recommend that you watch it again casually. And I kind of want to watch you watch it. I want to see you go, ooh, that was cult-like. Ha ha ha. So that was very (laughs) interesting to me. You said it. I am repeating your words and your sounds. No, wanting to watch me do that is creepy. It just sounds like it's very funny to witness. So So you want to laugh at me. Email us at askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com if you want me to set up the live feed so you can watch BJ cook and watch Praise Beatty. Now you're setting up a camera in my home. 
you know about it. I didn't consent to it. <laughs> okay, so what dystopian video games do you like? My favorite dystopian franchise is probably Resident Evil, not because of the video games, but because of the Mila Jovovich movies. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? I was going to say, I don't think I have anything to add to that. So <laughs> that will be branded as the Pilot Podcast's favorite wow, dystopian. Wow, signing it. <laughs> sure. That's our favorite video game franchise, dystopian video game franchise. And where can people find more episodes of the Pilot Podcast? All you have to do is head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com and you can follow us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at The Pilot Pod, and you can send thoughts, feelings, show recommendations, because every other week we do a show recommended by you, our wonderful listeners, to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.